Thunder Media. Today on Inside Supercars, we speak with the young gun who's getting up to 150 starts at the next event, Todd Hazelwood. Five years in, it's been one hell of a journey. You know, I've had, I've only been with two different teams since my whole journey from 20, at the end of 2013 when I first got into Super 2 all the way up to now. He's also had his first crack at the Gen 3 Camaro. What did he think? A little bit less downforce. It's still a really well-balanced car, so I think it's going to actually help with the quality of racing because it gives the drivers to obviously we still need grip we still need balance to be able to set people up and make passes and you know i was i was to be honest i was a little bit concerned of how loose the car was going to be because you don't want it so loose to the point where yeah you don't, you don't have drivers making passes at all it's an interesting chat with a young driver who is really starting to hit his straps todd hayeswood today on inside supercars Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitrock from Craig Gravelle, and we're joined by a man who's the most recent to taste the Gen 3 Camaro, Todd Hazelwood. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on the show. And, um, yeah, it was uh, great to finally get a sample of uh, what the future of supercars is. Um, obviously, yeah, getting my first laps in the Gen 3 Camaro on Monday around then the Ben Motorsport Park, and to be honest, I was genuinely impressed. I was, um, yeah, thought it was a really good thing, and looking forward to what holds for the future in the future, um, moving forward into next year. I mean, one of the real benefits for you is the fact that you were racing on the day after you'd been racing your Commodore, and so you can actually get feel yourself up to speed, but then feel the car coming up to your speed. Yeah, exactly. And it was a, a very good opportunity to do a direct comparison. Um, yeah, I guess between the, the differences between the two cars and really try and pinpoint, you know, what, you know, obviously from a field point of view, the ergonomics, um, everything that becomes second nature. Um, so it was a really good opportunity to dot point all that down and, yeah, and provide some knowledge as we start preparing for next year because obviously, you know, the 2023 season is coming around fast and, um, you yeah, know, we want to put ourselves in the best position forward to, to maximise that opportunity and get some good results. Uh, John Russell is a man I've known quite some years. He's ex-Williams uh, Formula One, been with Triple Eight and been out here also with Six Foot or Pro Drive in the old days. Vastly experienced engineer. And uh, one of the things I was so encouraged to hear uh, him talking about on Sunday at uh, Taylor Bend was that he said that uh, it's a car you have to manhandle, a new car. It's not something that uh, is easily driven. It's something you've got to be on top of, and you know there's less weight, there's less downforce, maybe not less power, but equivalent power. But it's, it's you've got to drive the car. Is that correct? 
Yeah, exactly. It's, it's certainly got a lot more torque um, than the current spec supercar that we're so, we're so accustomed and used to. Um, yeah, and obviously it's got a little bit less downforce. It's still a really well-balanced car, so I think it's going to actually help with the quality of racing because it gives the drivers to – obviously, we still need grip. We still need balance to be able to set people up and make passes. And, you know, I was, I was, to be honest, I was a little bit concerned of how loose the car was going to be because you don't want it so loose to the point where – yeah, you don't you don't have drivers making passes at all. So yeah, I think the I think the the product they've they've created for the future is yeah, as I said before, it's it's a really positive thing, and can only see um, you know in, in time, you know, I can only see this thing being a really good thing for us as a sport, and you know, obviously once we get over the hurdle of um, the exit of you know obviously Holden being our sport, which is such an important part of our DNA. Um, you know, once we make that transition and and people start to realise that this is the future and this is our way forward. Um, you know, I think it's going to be a good thing. So he obviously was dealing with you on the day. Um, no, I actually had. Um, it was ma- mainly just um, Jack LeBrock and myself working with the guys at Triple Eight. Um, obviously, they're the guys managing the the, the Camaro side um, of the development. So it was it was interesting, you know, just being a driver that was sort of just plug and play. Um, so just they were obviously searching for our input. But basically, just getting told what to do and get behind the wheel and try and be as consistent as possible. So, um, yes, it's, it's a, a unique position, I guess, being uh, driving the Gen Three, where obviously, from a driver's point of view, we're not involved in the, the homologation and the design um, process of, of that of that side. So, for us, we're I suppose we're just a proper steering wheel spacer. Um, we, we get in, we do our job, and as far as details, we don't really know what's actually happening behind the scenes too much. So. Um, yeah, it's it, but it's all it's all going smoothly, and you know, I think uh, you know the Gen Three programs come a long way in this this year in particular. So I think you know, as I said before, that the future is bright for supercars based off what I've sampled um, this week. Now, Todd, you're in your fifth season in the main game, um, back with the team that you uh, won your Super Two Championship with in Matstone Racing, um, and this uh, at Sandown in a couple of weeks' time. You'll hit 150 race starts on the uh, Sunday, so uh, that's a fairly short time to uh, to rack that little uh, threshold up. Yeah, exactly. It's amazing in this industry. You go from being a rookie, and all of a sudden, you know, a couple of years in, and you feel like a veteran. So, um, yeah, as you said, f- five years in, it's been one hell of a journey. Um, you know, I've had I've only been with two different teams since my whole journey from 20 at the end of 2013 when I first got into Super Two. All the way up to now, um, and spent you know 80 85 percent of that time at the team here at Matt Stone Racing. So, seen a lot of changes, um, both obviously within the team itself, and sampled a little bit more, a little bit of success. But you know, always hungry for more. You know, I feel like I've got a lot of unfinished business within supercars. You know, obviously still chasing that a uh, that elusive first race win. Had a podium back in 2020 and had a pole position, but um, you know, still got a lot of fight left in me yet to uh, you know hopefully achieve a lot more in the sport and. You know, and, and hopefully, you know, a short time to come. It must be terrific to be back in so familiar surroundings. While you said there's been lots of change at Matt Stone's, um, the overall impression is, and obviously Matt Stone is still the man in charge, um, he's a very pragmatic, straightforward, you know where you stand with him. Yeah, exactly. You know, I've been really fortunate to obviously know the, the whole Stone family for a long period of time now. You know, I, I lived with Matt for a few years. In my younger years, when I was li- when I was obviously you know chasing the dream and 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 trying to keep the Super Two program alive, and you know Matt's treated me like family from day one, and I suppose that's how it goes about his business too. He's very family orientated, 
but still a racer at heart. You know, everything that we do here at this workshop is all about performance and trying to win races. There's nothing else to that, I guess. And, you know, I feel like that's why Matt and I have got along so well over the years. Um, and even obviously we had, from my personal point of view, I had a, a two-year hiatus and I went to the team at BJR, but we always, you know, we, we, we made sure that we finished our program at the end of 2019 on a high and we shook hands and we said, well, hey, who knows, we, we may team up again in the future and you know, two years later and here we are. So, uh, yeah, I think that just probably speaks in volumes of what it's like to be part of the team here at MSR. Now, um, on the day you and Jack LeBrock drove the Camaros, I understand that Luke Yulden and Tim Slade were driving the Mustang. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think they also had um, Nick Perkett in there to do his first laps as well. Um, so, yeah, I think both. I, I don't know what the lap times of the Mustang were, but uh, I think everyone was pretty happy with the progress. We had a we had a faultless day, to be honest. Um, we got some really good mileage in. Um, no issues for the chassis or the car itself or, or the running equipment. Um, so I think, you know, they're getting to the point now where they're getting to the real pointy end of the testing phase. Um, they're not too far away now from obviously signing off on the whole project, which is exciting and obviously very important for, for the teams moving forward as well um, to ensure that they can now start getting organised and, and prepared um, for, the, for the future of our sport. Did you get any running against the Mustang, you and he, you know, sort of running closely together? Uh, no, no, it was a very separated program for, for, for what we were testing. Um, so, yeah, that, that had some individual test items as opposed to car-to-car testing. Um, so it was a very accurate and pinpointed program as, as to what they needed to test. And, yeah, I think we did over about 115, 120 laps on the day. So, um, yeah, I thought it was a pretty successful day and, um, yeah, happy with, ha- happy with how everything's progressing. So for my first taste, I was very impressed. When do you get your second taste? Um, that's a good question. Um, you know, we're obviously working closely with Triple Eight for the future now, and um, you know they've got some some potential test dates lined up in the future that you know I'm obviously trying to make sure that I'm available for, and certainly always got the hand flying if if there's any opportunity to do to do you know a t- test day like that. Um, you know, it's obviously so crucial now to start gaining some knowledge and um, get ourselves in the mindset to start preparing for 2023 because it is going to be a big transition. The cars are hard to drive. And, you know, the more the way I look at it, the more knowledge I can get behind the wheel, the better. Um, so, yeah, look, looking forward to, yeah, getting back behind the wheel and um, having another crack. It should be a bit of fun. We've had a interesting uh, month or so with a lot of focus on drivers and what drivers can and can't do in supercars. Do you actively go out looking for other racing opportunities? I know you and your partner have been karting and you've been getting on the spanners for her, in fact, this weekend, of course. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm motorsport crazy. When I'm not at the racetrack in a supercar, I'm at a racetrack somewhere else. Um, and, you know, I've always been a, a big advocate of, you know, the more racing you do, the, the better off you'll be. Um, but obviously nothing's cheap in motorsport as well. You can't afford you know, I personally can't afford to just be jumping in different race cars every day of the week because it all does cost money um, to put cars on track. So, um, yeah, that's where, I, you know, me and my partner, uh, Alice, so she, she races as well. Her parents run a kart shop and, um, you know, it was a, a great opportunity for me to obviously get a kart as well. And, um, yeah, that's sort of our, our fun weekend of uh, or fun idea of having a weekend off and we go to the kart track together and burn around and have a bit of fun. So, uh, yeah, you know, I'll try and get in the kart whenever I can and, it's also a great way for in, enhancing the race craft. Obviously, you know, nothing compa- compares the intensity of supercar racing because we're obviously we're all at the top of our game and pushing the limits. But 
probably second close to that is actually karting itself. There's a lot of good competition, obviously, competing against the younger guys of the sport who are also trying to make an impression. And, um, you know, I'll probably make more passing manoeuvres on a, on a race weekend in go-karts than what I do, you know, combining three or four race weekends in a supercar. So probably just highlights the intensity of kart racing and really sharp, help sharpen my skills behind the wheel. And, you know, any, I feel like, as I said, anything I can get behind the wheel of and have a bit of fun with, it certainly certainly doesn't do me no harm um yeah getting ready for the next event can you remember a race meeting where you haven't done any racing in between and let's say not back to back obviously we're talking about two or three weeks break and then the difference when you have done any sort of other racing and getting to the track on the on the friday and getting into the car again um, yeah, probably the best example was when we were all locked down in COVID, I guess. Um, you know, that was nearly a, a nearly a three-month hiatus of nothing. Um, obviously, we had the E-Series, but, you know, you know I, I'm probably one of the drivers that doesn't get a lot of benefit out of E-Series compared to other drivers, and I think that's just purely, you know, on, on the reason of, you know, if you have a simulator that sort of replicates the real thing, then that's great. But me personally, I didn't have anything like that. So, yeah, to jump back in the car after nearly – two and a half months it was a pretty rude um shock but you know it is funny though your your hands and and knees and legs you know they they all remember pretty quickly what you need to do it's just it's just all the little muscles in the body i guess that you know you you try and prepare and train for it um but you know you can never get ready for the real deal it's um, one of those things you just got to get in it and um, try and get used to it as much as possible yeah uh, Gary Rogers uh, sent a letter out, which I'm sure you've heard about at least, where he says that for drivers like yourself to try and become household names, you need more than 30, 13 race meetings a year. Oh, exactly. Look, it's a, it's a ruthless game and and probably, I don't know, it's a, it's a double-edged sword, I guess. You know, for us as a challenger team, you, you obviously it's well documented. We're not the biggest team in pit lane, but we're certainly striving towards getting ourselves further up the field. Um, and when you're in the race season, it's full on. You know, the, these guys here at the workshop, they don't stop. They work day and night. We've got less, we've got less team members in the bigger team, so obviously they've got to try and do more work in a short amount of time. And you know, obviously if we do more events, that puts more pressure on our crew. Um, so, you know, whether or not more racing is the answer, um, there's certainly a two-sided, um, argument for that because obviously drivers want to be racing as much as possible, but it's, you know, logistics and turnaround time and, and the money involved to, to make that extra investment is, you know, it's a, it's a big step, you know, even simply adding one or two race meetings to the supercars championship, it, um, you know, I think it's, it sounds simple, but, um, when you actually work out the logistics and the funding behind it. It's, it's a massive, um, massive step. And, you know, I think for us as supercars, it's um, making sure that, that we have, you know, quality over quantity. Um, you know, I think we've seen that probably in Formula One. They, they do a lot of racing, but does it actually improve, um, you know, the end product of, of F1? Um, you know, I, I, I'm not sure. You know, there, there's some tracks I watch in F1 these days. I don't even know where they're, where they're racing half the time because, there's so many different tracks that you've never seen before and they sort of go from one track to the next whereas opposed to racing at tracks that are well-renowned and instantly recognisable. You know, you know, is that is that the difference that... Is that something that we need to learn off or, or is that something that we need to progress into? I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know what the answer is. I'll, I'll let the powers be above work that one out. But, um, yeah, I suppose, hey, I'd, I'd love to race as much as possible but certainly aware of the, the challenges around that as well. Yeah, and... 
the point that I think Gary was trying to make was you need other opportunities and whether it be in a TCR car, a Trans Am car, a rally car, a speedway car, those opportunities should be open and available to you. Oh, definitely, yeah. And um, that's where Matt's been really good for me. He's always said, you want to go race something else and you're certainly not going to stop you. Obviously, you know, making sure that nothing, you know, conflicts from a commercial point of view. But, um, yeah, you know, that, that's uh, the cool thing. We haven't got too many restrictions here and I've certainly always got my hand up waving, waving high and proud to, to try and race anything wherever I can. So do you have a manager that's out there actively looking for other opportunities for you or are you doing it all in-house yourself? No, I just do it all in-house myself. So, um, yeah, I, I figured there's no better person to be in control of my own destiny than, than myself. Um, certainly know where I stand and where I sit and if um, you know, it certainly obviously avoids any uh, any long-term issues I guess you know you hear some drivers have blues of managers and this that and the other and like any professional business or sporting code I guess so yeah keep keep it simple it's a little bit more work but you know as I said I'd rather be in control of my own destiny than relying on someone else to do dirty work for me. And that's an interesting one isn't it because the managers would have contacts that might be able to open some doors, but it can go south at the same time. Yeah, exactly. It's um, you know, it's one of those things. You got to doesn't matter what you do in life. You got to work hard, and if you're doing it by yourself, you probably got to work twice as hard. So, um, yeah, it's, it's that's um, you know, that's my decision. You know, I could I could happily probably go out there and get someone, but you know, these things all cost money, and um, you know, it's all about associating yourself with the right people as well, and. You know, as I said, I feel like I can hold my own in conversations and you know, I've, I've got this far in life, um, so always always open to, to more opportunities. But um, yeah, I feel like you know, I enjoy doing what I do and feel like I can manage it well enough to um, yeah, get the opportunities where I can. Todd, it's uh, been terrific talking with you again as we did at uh, Tail and Bend. Look, wish you all the very best at Standout. I look forward to catching up with you again there. And uh, I uh, would b- certainly believe that uh, loading the your two Commodores of Matt Stones on Sunday night would have been a simple thing, just pushing them in the trailer. No forklifts involved. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no forklifts were involved. But, um, yeah, it's just a pretty pretty sad end to, uh, you know, obviously what was a tough weekend. So, yeah, we've got a test day next Tuesday. So we're working hard here at the moment at the workshop getting ready for that. And, you know, hopefully Sandown can be a bit of a turning point for our championship. Thank you, Todd. See you in Sandown in a couple of weeks' time. You will. Thank you very much, and thanks for having me on the show. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more, or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.